Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Be sure to follow and subscribe on your platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Megaphone, and Google. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date in the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, we're going to be recapping last week's Christmas time game schedule, which, if you actually watched any of the games, you probably know that Santa brought us something of a lump of coal for all three matchups. The worst game of the three was definitely the first one against Montreal, where the Jets actually started out pretty decently in the first 10 minutes. In a previous podcast, I said that the Habs would be something of a challenge, a beatable team, but they are very aggressive, they have a lot of skilled depth, and they have an ability to counter and apply pressure in areas where the Jets can't handle um, defensive coverages all that well. After Winnipeg had a strong start, that began to show very quickly. The Jets actually did get an early couple of goals, but the first one from Patrick Laine ended up being ruled for offside. Winnipeg converted on a power play shortly thereafter, with Kyle Connor cashing in on something of a bit of a greasy goal. Winnipeg had been creating a lot of chances and opportunities around Carey Price, especially near the crease. Generally speaking, this was a pretty competent stretch of play, and it was only a matter of time until Winnipeg finally hit pay dirt. With the Jets, though, the good things don't always last, and this current squad has a lot of injuries, and the defense just isn't all that good, generally speaking. Winnipeg took a penalty a few minutes before the end of the period, and very quickly was made to pay by Thomas Tatar. A rather frustrating sequence, considering the fact that... Winnipeg's penalty kill just doesn't kill penalties. The only way that they do is by allowing the other team to score. I've never seen a penalty kill unit that's this ineffective. It's not that it's necessarily a new trend, but the penalty kill used to be a lot... Well, I don't think it was a whole lot better than it is now, but at least they made a few more stops. Nowadays, the Jets just kind of stand around and wait for people to score on them. A lot of that is owing to the fact that the Jets just don't actually have NHL defensemen right now, and uh, they also put a lot of forwards out there who really can't kill penalties. You know, you look at a guy like Kyle Connor, who in theory does make some sense because he's a fast skater and he can carry the puck very quickly in transition zones, but he doesn't actually do any of that stuff at even strength, um, and he's not really a defensive forward. He's kind of a really decent poacher, um, but he doesn't really have a whole lot of other skills that you would want to have for someone who needs to clear the zone and and move the puck out. It just makes him a pretty bad penalty killer, and, you know, when you pair him with a guy like Lucas Abisa and and Logan Shaw, yeah, that unit's just not going to really handle things all that well. I get that Maurice thinks that some of these guys are defensively trustworthy, but the results have been anything but. I think Winnipeg's PK has to be under 80% right now. It's got to be like 77 or 78%. It might actually be worse than what I think it is, because the Jets have surrendered something like 50% of the power play opportunities against that they've conceded. Been a bit of a rough year for the special teams in general, but no no units really suffering for the Jets more than the penalty kill. The Jets were still looking pretty okay. I mean, they weren't, you know, great at this point. After that opening 10 minutes, they started to, to look like they usually do. But, you know, it it is Winnipeg, and that's kind of what you'd expect. Um, but then they, they got scored on again, because there was a bit of a, a kerfuffle between Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley in the corner, which caused a turnover, um, the puck isn't cleared out, ends up in the back of the net, I kind of think you get the idea here. I mean, the Jets just really are sloppy in this game, and, and unfortunately the end of this first period, which started out promisingly, did not end so well. Jets are down 2-1, 
And there's just not a whole lot to say about it. I mean, it's it's a really rough period. Of course, if I thought things really couldn't get worse, I was uh, I was most definitely wrong. I had hoped that the Jets would have something of a pushback in the second and third periods, but Winnipeg basically got curb stomped for 40 minutes. The Jets have trouble with small, speedy teams that use a lot of counter-pressing and, and an aggressive forecheck, and also teams that like to cause turnovers which the Jets offer in great supply. That was most definitely the case here, where Winnipeg served up a lot of pizzas and they really couldn't clear their own zone, and so the Habs took advantage of that pressure and, and scored multiple times. Bressois was pretty bad, and in fact, he actually turned over the puck himself once that caused one of the goals against. You, you know, it's just one of those things where no one seemed to be on the same page or really in the right frame of mind. I know that the Jets were injured during this period. I mean, they were still, I think, without Cop and, and Perot at this time, but I mean, wow, man, that was pretty bad. Like, Winnipeg wasn't even really competitive in this game after the first 10 minutes. I mean, it, it, whatever happened, whatever mojo the Jets used to, to have a competent opening, it just totally ran out. I was a little bit surprised because I thought that the Jets, after they had a pretty even game against the Minnesota Wild, would actually have something to show for against a, a team like the Habs, who are who are better, but, you know, still the Jets could actually at least match with them if they, if they had kind of un, unchained the Jets and sort of let the forwards run loose. Didn't really happen, though, and Winnipeg ended up getting humbled quite a bit, so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Persuade being bad, I mean, it's whatever. At this point, I'm kind of, like, ambivalent about it, because Hellebuck has carried this team for so long, and, you know, getting a bad goaltending performance here or there, eh, you're gonna have it. Once in a while, I mean, the Jets have basically survived and, and lived on goaltending for months now, so, yeah, I mean, it it's frustrating. I feel like, I think the most frustrating part is that the Jets just weren't competitive, um, and I really expected a better performance from Winnipeg. And they, they showed it for a brief time, and then they just kind of collapsed. But, I mean, at least Line had another goal. That was kind of nice. The penalty kill and uh, even strength weaknesses, though, especially in the defensive side of things, just not good. Winnipeg doesn't have guys who can carry the puck out of the zone and, and, you know, facilitate zone transitions cleanly. A lot of times what you see against these teams that have a ton of speed is Winnipeg sort of backs its own end into the, uh, into the defensive zone, and everyone kind of starts moving, you know, a lot less. They become a lot more static. So teams that have fast forwards and, and good passing, they piece, piece apart Winnipeg's defense very quickly. If you're the Jets, it's just a bad mixture. Montreal has deep skill across all of its lines, and, and sure, most of the guys are not really high-end elite scores, but Montreal has never really needed that. The Habs put a hurting on you with, like, a lot of underrated depth skill across, you know, the middle six, bottom six, and the top line. You know, a team that's as static and slow as Winnipeg is frequently, I mean, that's just a, it's a terrible mix and a recipe for disaster, and that's kind of what we saw here with Winnipeg losing 6-2. to two. Ironically, the Jets actually matched up a lot more closely to the next team on their uh, schedule, which was the St. Louis Blues. Um, the Blues play a heavier, slower style of hockey that most people call boring. It is technically kind of on the lower event side of things. Um, it definitely is dull, but the Blues have gotten away with really smart passing and, and a lot of cross-crease movement um, right in front of the goaltender. Bit of a different approach than the Habs, um, but did it work against the Jets? Stay tuned to find out in just a moment. If there's one team that I honestly hate watching play hockey, it's probably the St. Louis Blues. For some reason, St. Louis plays a style of game that is both very boring and dull, and also very explosive in short-controlled doses. This season, it's annoyingly been Winnipeg's kryptonite. When the Jets sit back and like to absorb pressure, St. Louis presses the advantage. The Blues are kind of a quirky team in that everyone says that they play the boring style of hockey that's big boy hockey, but uh, underneath of it, there's uh, something of an interesting tactical layer. 
St. Louis tends to stifle opponents with strong defense and a lot of man marking, but then when they go in the offensive zone, they can create some quick counters and setup plays that end up in the back of the net. The Blues have a really deep roster, including Ryan O'Reilly, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, uh, Alex Petrangelo, Vince Dunn, quite a few names that, generally speaking, people talk about as being elite or really good, but maybe don't realize just how good they are. Maybe none more than a guy like David Perron, who just somehow seems to defy time and continues to be one of the best wingers in the league. Perron is both really smart and really annoying to have to play against, so yeah, he's pretty good. A very frustrating player for the Jets to have to face. Moreover, Perron is very smart about utilizing his teammates and elevating the the skill of his linemates. He's just a great all-around forward. So, you know, when Winnipeg comes into a place like St. Louis, yeah, it's going to be a rough one. Even with this game, the Jets were at home for this first part of the, a consecutive series against the Blues. I was a little bit worried just because St. Louis has been pretty good this season. They are first in the Central Division, and it's certainly not without reason. I've said before that I don't see them as cup contenders, which I, I, I'm still a little bit suspicious of. I'm just not sure that they're... I don't know that their style is really going to translate to the postseason. It, it totally may, and I may be overstating this, but... I don't know. I'm just slightly suspicious of the longevity of the style. Um, when you take a look at how St. Louis reached the playoffs last year after being so bad for the start of the first half, um, the Blues were just dominating everyone like a team totally possessed. They were basically doing what the Jets did during the 2017-2018 postseason run, where they basically smacked every opponent they came across and dominated um, across all four lines. This year's Blues are a lot more conservative, and they don't have the free-flowing style of that team, so it's kind of interesting to contrast. I think uh, Barub has them playing a lot more of a defensive style um, with, with dangerous counters. Against the Jets, this actually didn't work that well for the first part of the period. Um, essentially, the start of the game, the Jets were kind of doing a pretty free-flowing, high-pressure, um, high-event style of hockey. This was honestly how the Jets should be playing. I mean, when Winnipeg is pressuring and, and playing, you know, not conservatively, but flying forward all the time, Winnipeg tends to be a much better team and can hammer, you know, slower, bigger teams like the Blues in their own zone. St. Louis had a lot harder time clearing its own zone and, and looked a lot more like the Winnipeg Jets did this season for the most part, um, with Winnipeg applying a ton of pressure and hemming the Blues in for extended periods of zone time. After a while, though, the Jets started to sit back a bit, and uh, once that happened, the Blues really took advantage. There were definitely some missed calls against the Blues that, you know, could have ended up as power play opportunities for the Jets, but Winnipeg ultimately just has to admit it wasn't good enough. One of the earlier goals that Hellebuck led in was something of a nothing play from Alex Petrangelo, where he just sort of shoveled the puck towards the net from a weird angle, and it somehow went through. Um, and that's just not good enough, you know, it's gonna happen every now and then, and Again, like I've said with Bressois, I'm not really going to harp on Hellebuck too much. He's been fantastic this season. I've criticized him in the past, but, you know, this year he really can't be held for any blame. He's been playing out of his mind, and the defense has done him absolutely no favors, so I think he deserves all credit, you know, and and the benefit of the doubt this year. The goals against were kind of annoying, um, in part because Winnipeg was just sloppy with the puck and, and sort of sat back and allowed the Blues to take advantage on rapid counters. And again, this this guy, Tyler Bozak, man, I don't know why, but he always seems to score against the Jets. He's like one of the few guys who does consistently. Same with uh, David Perron. It happened in last year's playoffs, and it happened again this year, and it's just so frustrating. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to see the same guy score against you every time. And it's not like Bozak's a, a, an amazing forward. He's not. He's like a good middle six guy, but just, I don't know, he's got like a personal vendetta against the Jets. It's crazy. 
to Winnipeg's credit, it's not like they sat back. Um, even though they didn't create all that many opportunities as the game wore on, the Jets still ended up uh, tying it 4-4. It basically took into the very last gasp of the game and the last minute of regulation before Winnipeg could even tie it. Um, this one coming off of a nice goal from Blake Wheeler. It felt deserved, though, because the Jets had been kind of getting roughed up by the, the officiating in this game. I mean, NHL officiating is not good, generally speaking, but it was especially bad against the Jets in this one. So, for Winnipeg to tie it, uh, especially in the manner that they did, I was I was at least happy with that because it more or less guaranteed a point. Um, what I was less happy with was the overtime period, where... Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Nikolai Ehlers, our best forward, didn't even play a single shift, which I, I'm... I'm still kind of in shock at that. I, I just don't understand how you can do that. Ehlers does everything for this team, from from puck carrying to zone transition, scoring, um, setup play and build up play, passing. I I just don't understand why you wouldn't use him in a in a in a format where that's like his ideal his ideal situation. Nick Ehlers is literally tailor made for three v three overtime, and yet the coaching staff didn't feel that they needed to use him, which just blows my mind to be honest. Winnipeg's decision to opt for Connor, um, Shifley, and Morrissey instead ended up costing them. Okay, look, I don't want to harp on these guys too much, um, but all three this season have been, I would say, a bit mixed in results. Connor's been defensively terrible, and he's not exactly, for some reason, the best puck distributor. Um, he has, you know, fantastic, phenomenal scoring hands, but as far as his puck distribution and setup play is concerned, eh, he leaves some things to be desired. Morrissey, just bad in general. I don't I don't know what else to say. I mean, I thought it was injury, um, maybe just a downswing and turn and form, but I don't know, he's just like a totally different defenseman this year, and it's it's hard to understand and, and imagine why this is happening. Shifley, for his part, ended up um, causing the goal against. He tried to force a pass along the blue line in the offensive zone, and there was really no one covering for him. Um, I think Morrissey, and, and Connor was along the walk. Morrissey was somewhere else. I don't even know where he was. Um, and the Blues had a nice easy walk-in on, on Hellebuck. You know, and just like that, the Jets lose 5-4 on home ice, which is, I mean, it's so frustrating. And I kind of feel like it's emblematic of what I really expected from the season, which was very rough, very rough performances, a lot of mental mistakes. Um, and, and while the Jets can be competitive, they often aren't. And when they aren't, they make a lot of really terrible mistakes that end up in the back of the net. What is surprising is just seeing guys like Shifley and Morrissey being, you know, some of the sources of these errors. I expect it from Kyle Connor because Connor is is not as good as people think he is. Um, like he's a fun goal scorer, but as far as anything else is concerned, nah, he's he's not really capable of a whole lot else. We certainly know he's not a penalty killer, that's for sure. All things considered, like I'll take the point, but I just feel like the Jets kind of conceded an opportunity to get the extra one and maybe, you know get a little bit of a cut into uh, St. Louis's lead on the division. Winnipeg certainly wasn't going to catch the Blues, to, you know, in this game, but, uh, you know, anytime you can take away points from your division rival, especially one who's sitting at the top and is clear by, like, 10 points at this rate, you got to take it. You got to do it, um, especially when you're on home ice. So, yeah, a pretty disappointing result. Unfortunately for the Jets, they then had to go to St. Louis to play, and, uh, yeah, that one actually ended up a lot worse. When you play the same team twice in like four days, things don't always go the way that you hoped they would. Um, Winnipeg had already lost in overtime in the first meeting between them and the St. Louis Blues this week. So I was kind of hoping, yeah, that things would go up, and instead they went very down. To put it bluntly, the Jets basically got a little bit of a humbling. 
the Blues don't often dominate teams um, as, as as thoroughly as they dominated the Jets, which is, you know, not surprising because it's Winnipeg, but yikes, man, Winnipeg wasn't even competitive, and not even from the first puck drop. The Jets just didn't even show up. The Jets have had a few games like this this year where they just kind of, you know, sucked, to be blunt. But, wow, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes games just kind of leave you with a little bit of a uh, a bit of a speechless bent, and I guess that's how I felt about this one. Just because, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say. Winnipeg basically didn't show up. Um, they got def- dominated in both ends of the ice. Yeah, uh, the Blues are a decent team, but man, I mean, Winnipeg didn't really apply any pressure at all. Uh, for a team that took St. Louis to overtime just a couple of nights previously, it was kind of galling that the Jets didn't even put up much of a fight um, on the road. Like, I get that, you know, the team is probably tired and it's dealing with a ton of injuries and Hellebuck is probably wearing down, but holy cow, man, give Hellebuck some support at least. The dude is literally carrying this team to a playoff spot and it it can't last at this rate. The Jets at some point need to get some sort of defensive help or at least somebody who can carry and move the puck, you know, more than like two feet without bumbling and turning it over. It's what's been part of Winnipeg's slide as of late. I mean, they basically have no one who handles pressure well and the few guys that do really can't facilitate zone transitions when everyone else is turning the puck over in front of Hellebuck. I'm still on this free Niku train, man. Like, I know Sami Niku is defensively probably not as good as he'd hope, but, like, at least he could skate and carry the puck more than two feet. Like, seriously, no one else on this team seems to be able to do that. The Jets have, like, the most insane lack of foot speed on the back end that I've ever seen. Like, we're talking... If you had uh, to compare, say, like, ten Mats Hummels... Uh, on your team if you've ever seen Matt Hummels try to run um, he's not the fastest center back in in you know world football but he's effective at what he does um, but he you, you need somebody who's a little bit more mobile imagine having like three of him or four of him on your defense in hockey where you need nothing but speed and that's exactly what the Jets are working with to make matters worse the guys who are slow don't really have great defensive IQ either their positioning is bad Um, Their puck handling is bad, their passing is also not good. So you just have like a terrible mixture of dudes who really struggle when, you know, faced with, you know, decently skilled forwards or really any sort of pressure. They just don't handle it well. It sort of makes me wonder what exactly Winnipeg's plan is going forward, because if it's just to ride Hellebuck, that's not going to work. I mean, Hellebuck can bail, bail out this team for, you know, a certain amount of time before at some point the defensive issues with this team start to become more apparent. You know, I'm I'm not going to advocate that this team just throw everything into the into the barrel and try and make a big trade for a huge defenseman. I think that the team has to be smart about this because everyone knows the situation that they're in. That said, I mean the Jets' defensive depth is just awful right now, and and it's really putting a lot of pressure on everyone else to try and defend. Um, and the forwards really can't generate any offense when they're sitting in their own own, own defensive end expending so much energy trying to clear the puck. This coming trade deadline in a couple of weeks is going to be a big deal for the Jets because at this point they really don't have enough to to make the playoffs. Um, I know some folks have said that they're going to miss the playoffs at this rate, which, you know, is, is entirely a fair assessment and a fair prediction. I still think Winnipeg will make it just because the rest of the Central Division and really the rest of the West is just bad. Um, aside from St. Louis and maybe the Avs, uh, I, I just don't know. Is there anyone else really that decent in this in this entire conference? I don't think so. The Flames are a completely mixed bag. The Oilers are starting to look exactly like what you think the Oilers are going to look like. Um, Dallas may be okay. I mean, they're okay. They're not amazing. They're just like a decent team. The Preds are kind of terrible. 
they continually blow things that they should have, you know, easy victories out of. Um, I guess the Arizona Coyotes might be all right, but again, this is just the average teams. There's no one all that special. Winnipeg, as humble as maybe in a game, you know, like this against the Blues, can still probably make the playoffs with the roster that it has, which says more about the West than it does anything else. Um, but I, I think for my peace of mind and going forward, they really need to find a couple of puck-moving defensemen, and that starts with promoting Sami Niku to the NHL club. You know, Sabisa, Pullman, um... Who else? Gosh. Potato. They're out trying their hardest, but they're just not really equipped to handle all of this pressure. You know, I'm not saying that Niku's going to be the world's biggest game-changing defenseman, but he can probably get us at least part of the way to something that looks a little more acceptable and a little more fluid than it is right now. If a guy like him can at least free up a little bit of movement for the, you know, for the offensive forwards to, to get forward and start making some breakout passes and, and play setup. Yeah, maybe the Jets might actually look a little more competent. Right now they're spending so much time just sitting in their own defensive end, um, getting outshot, getting outchanced, and outscored. They gotta be willing to take a few risks and, and give a shot to some of the guys that they've been, you know, quietly stewing with the Manitoba Moose for a while. Because um, Vili Heinel is not coming back for this season, and I don't think he is. Um, I'm not even sure that he's eligible to do so, so, you know, you gotta work with what you got until we get reinforcements down the road. Um, but with that, I thank you guys for listening. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about some New Year's resolutions, since it's the holidays, um, and recapping the Tuesday night game against the Colorado Avalanche. So thanks again for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe on your platform of choice, and go Jets go!